I wonder if, um, if you've ever been stuck trying to do a job and you're stuck because you don't have the right tool for the job. I know that kind of is heads nodding going, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible thing. Um, I, only a couple of weeks ago, um, I tried to deliver a dining table to a client that had to be delivered in two parts. Uh, the legs had to be taken off and bolted on at the client's house. And so we packed the tabletop, big heavy tabletop, we packed the legs, uh, we packed our collection of spanners uh, and we went down to the client's house only to discover that of all the spanners we took, you know the story, right? There was only one that we didn't have. Was that one? Literally, it was, it was the only one missing. And uh, I, there's lots of nods. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's, it's not just tools. Have you, ever been, have you ever been stuck without the right password? You know, like you're somewhere and you can remember every password to every other app or every other program except the one that you're trying to open in that moment. Or maybe you've been, you've been stuck without the right key. You know, like you've got every key in the house and your key ring seems to have every key except the key that's required to open the thing that you're trying to open right now. Um, or if you're at school and you're related to me, you could find every document on the planet except the document that you're supposed to be handing up in five minutes' time. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> How can my computer have every assignment that I've ever done in my life except the one that I'm supposed to be handing up today? Where did that thing go? We're in a series that we're calling Gifted. Um, and last week we looked at the idea that each one of us is created by God. We said that we are created on purpose and we are created for a purpose. We said that no one is an accident um, that you are not here because of some bizarre evolutionary trip and, and you just appeared that you are created by a God on purpose. We read, uh, the, uh, we read a poet in the Bible, Psalm 139, uh, who, who told us that God knew you before you were born, which is a crazy idea, isn't it? We, we said that God knew you actually before you knew you. And we talked about the powerful difference that understanding that truth makes in our lives. We said when you understand that you're created by God on purpose, for a purpose, it gives you a whole different confidence in who you are. Because you've got a confidence that now no longer comes from what other people think of you or no longer comes from the clothes you wear or the, the job that you have, but a confidence that comes from knowing that you're created by the Creator. We said that it gives you a whole different kind of belief in your talents and your, your gifts, the things that you've been created for. Because again, you, you come to those things not with a belief that these things are accidental and I wonder if they're of any use to anyone, but that those things have been given you by God. They've been given you on purpose and for a purpose. And we said that ultimately that gives us a whole different kind of meaning and purpose in our life. And we talked a lot last week about the way that we're created and I guess the, the sort of the confidence part of that, confidence in knowing who you are uh, and, and sometimes we say who you are in Christ. We're going to kind of take the next step this week and talk about the way that God made you to be. Because it's one thing to be confident in knowing that God made you. It's one thing for me to be confident in knowing that God made me. It's another thing for me to be able to say, and I know how he made me. 
It, it's one thing to be, to be confident that God made you on purpose. It's another thing to know what that purpose is. To say, this is the way that God has created me. Because the truth is, isn't it, that until, until you know that piece of the puzzle, uh, until you understand that kind of purpose, it's easy to feel like the wrong tool for the job. Until you know what it is that God made you for, you can easily feel like a key without a lock. I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't really know what that thing is. And the good news I want to tell you is that if you ever have any of that sort of feeling, you're not alone. The first Christians, the first Christians that we read about in the Bible, had that struggle, had that struggle uh, sort of all the time. The church was growing and people were experiencing the wonder of Jesus. They, they were meeting uh, the, the, the resurrected Jesus and there was this extraordinary sense of what God was doing and people were being drawn to him, people were being saved, people were coming into the church and they were finding community, they were finding friendship, they were finding connection and relationship. But there was some confusion about how this whole church thing should work, how this whole community should work. Because it's easy to know how it works when it's one or two or three people. But all of a sudden there were, there, there were dozens of people and, and tending towards sort of large groups. And, and how does this whole thing come together? Fortunately for us, we've got a letter that was written to one of those churches. We've got numbers of letters that were written to some of those churches, to some of those little communities. Paul, who was a leader in the early church, he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. Um, Corinth is a city that you can still kind of find on maps today and, and, and visit today. Paul writes a letter to a church in Corinth that is, that is pretty confused about the way church should be. And there's, there's all sorts of weird stuff happening in the world that we might think is weird stuff happening in the church in Corinth. And Paul writes a letter to sort of explain to them who God is, the way he's created for them. But there's a lot of practical stuff in this letter uh, we call it the letter to the Corinthians. There's actually two of them, one Corinthians and two Corinthians. Um, there's a third one that we don't have, but that's a whole other story. Um, uh, that, that, um, that Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinthians. And there's a lot of really practical stuff in this letter about the way churches should function and the way, um, the way that believers, the way that people who are in churches should work together. So if you've got a Bible, open it. We are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we're going to work through a fair chunk of this chapter. We're going to sort of skip some bits along the way, but um, we're going to begin at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read it. You can follow it along in your Bibles if you've got one. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. So Paul's make it really clear. This is, this is what I want to talk about here. Jump down to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. The first thing that Paul wants to make clear and that I really want us to get as we, as we step into this part of our series, I want you to hear the language of unity in what Paul's talking about. Did you hear that there? He says there, there, there are different gifts, but he says it's the same spirit. He said, it's the same Lord. He said, it's the same God at work. And the first thing that, that we really need to get as we, we're going to talk really practically about this spiritual gift piece today 
is that the purpose of gifts, that, that when we talk about gifts, we're talking about unity within the church. When you talk about spiritual gifts, this is not a discussion about you and God. This is a discussion about you and God and the people around you. This is a discussion that only happens within the context of community. And Paul wants to make that, make sure that, that the Corinthians really understand that up front. This is talking about how we function together as God's people, together as a church. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit means kind of the outworking or as some, some Bibles might say the demonstration of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the spirit of a message, the spirit that ah, to one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing of spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one. Are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Paul wants people to know that the Spirit of God gives gifts to every believer, and we call these in the church we call these spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is simply a special ability given to a believer by God, with the purpose, with the express purpose of building up the church, building up the body of believers. If you're taking notes and you want to write down Ephesians 4, Paul talks about, it's another letter that he wrote to another church, and you can read more uh, about this sort of definition of spiritual gifts there. Paul goes on and he lists a bunch of different types of gifts. These are not the only spiritual gifts. In other letters, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll list a slightly different um, uh, kind of gifts. Uh, when Peter writes a letter, uh, he has another list. There, there are different lists, but, but in this letter, Paul lists a bunch of different types of lists. And I want to say at this point, if, if you're kind of new here or if you're kind of reading through that list and some of those things you don't quite understand, don't panic. There's going to be lots of time in this, uh, in this series or so to talk through some of these specific gifts. The point I want you to see at this point in our journey is that there's a whole range of different gifts that God gives to people. That, that each person, it receives something by the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to explain how all this works. Verse 12. Just as a body, he's talking about a human body, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. This language of unity, hearing it again, one, 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 one. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the foot, 
I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We can't do without them. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul says the church, and he's not talking about what happens on the weekend, he's talking about the Christian community. He said the Christian community, it's a lot like a human body. It's made up of lots of different parts and every one of those parts has a specific role to play, a specific function to play within the body. And he wants to make it really clear that every part is important. Every part of of your human body is important. And he says in the same way, every part of the church, every person within the church and their gift is really important. Your eyes do one thing, your feet do another thing. Every part of your body has a specific job to play. He says that's what the church should be like. He says every every person in the church has a role to play. Every person in the church has a really important role to play. In fact, the point that he's making is that there is a part that you have to play in the church that only you can play. There is a space within a Christian community like this that only you can fill. And he's saying it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for decades or if you're you're just kind of brand new in this whole Christian thing. You have a part to play in what God's doing in a Christian community like this. And it's a part that only you can play. And be really clear, he's talking about the way that a Christian community functions. He's not talking about what happens when the church gathers together. He's not talking about just the gifts that you see up front in a place like this. I mean, there are gifts that people use when they're up front like this, but these are not the only gifts. This is not the only place that people use their gifts within a church. I mean, he's really specific. Verse 22, he says, The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts of the body that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. If you're thinking, what parts are you talking about? He's literally talking about, like, those private parts, right? There's literally what he's saying. He's saying, you know, there's parts of the body that you kind of go, well, you know, we, we don't like to talk about those parts. But they've got a vital role. You've ever been constipated? You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I'm, I'm not joking. That's honestly, that's honestly the point that Paul's trying to make here. When you think about your body, there are, it's, it would be easy for parts of your body to go, well, you know, I'm not a hand or an eye or, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not as important. And Paul's saying, you know in your body that that's not the case. And he's saying the church is exactly the same. Every part of a church, every person in a church has a gift and that gift is vital for the whole church to function as it should be and exactly as it is with your body. If there's one part that doesn't work, the whole body 
doesn't work properly. He finishes verse 27 saying, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part in it. Church is not a spectator sport. And I, I know it's easy, you know, you're kind of sitting here, you are not here to watch me do my thing. We are not here to watch the musicians do their thing. The church is a body and it only works when everyone's involved. When everyone discovers their gifts and uses their gifts. And, and it doesn't even need to be like just here when we gather on the weekend. We're always saying that this isn't church. This is just a gathering of the church. We are the church when we go into our homes. We're the church when we go into our workplaces. We're the church when we hang out with our friends and when we play basketball and when we go to the movies. And there are gifts that are used there as much as there are gifts that are used here. Sorry, Beck, did you say you had a question? What? Yeah, sorry. I was just wondering um, how we know what our spiritual gifts are. That's a great question, Beck. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm so glad you asked, Beck. <laughs> hey? We are smooth here, aren't we? Hey? No one even noticed that, did they? <laughs> so we are going to get as I promised we would at the beginning of the series we are going to get as practical as we can about this spiritual gift stuff because um, there, there are lots of ways that people discover these gifts sometimes very rarely very rarely sometimes people have amazing experience where God just kind of speaks something into their life and where they just know it does happen but it's very very rare most of the time, people discover their gifts by uh, sort of experimenting and using, you know, doing different things within the community and other people affirm things in them. Other people, particularly uh, maybe more mature uh, people in the church, people who've been, and I don't mean mature just in age, people who've been Christians for longer periods will look at something and say, hey, you know, I, I think God's moving in you in this way. But over time, smart people have also developed uh, kind of questionnaires or things that we can use to help us discover those gifts as a first step. And we've got one of those here today and we are literally going to do one of those together in, uh, in church in our gathering today. Now, um, before we hand out these things and start to do them, um, I want to make a couple of comments about this, right? The first is, this is not magic, okay? This is just a questionnaire that someone's put together <laughs> to give you a, a kind of a, a, a first step or a head start on this, all right? Um, and by that, what I mean is the results of what you're about to do, like, like they're not, I mean, God can use these things, but there's nothing magic about this. This thing is not infallible, it's not perfect, and sometimes people do this and it doesn't show them a clear result. Sometimes people do this and they go, well, I've, you know, people have told me my gift is this and now it's showing me that. It's not, per but it is a really good first step. Now, some of you, uh, you're sitting here today and you already feel like you know what your gifts are. Some of you, you've done things like this before and you, can, you could kind of stand up right now and say, you know, my primary gift is this, you know, and then I've got a, you know, maybe a secondary one or, or whatever like that. If that's you, cool, brilliant, great. Um, use this as a way to maybe affirm that process um, uh, or, or just to kind of be in the process with others. 
Some of you uh, are doing this for the very first time. Um, some of you have got really no idea what spiritual gifts are and a list of gifts and whatever. And if that's you, great. Um, it probably means you're going to have lots of questions um, as you do this and out of this. And we're going to give lots of time in the next few weeks to be talking about this with you. So don't kind of panic. You can ask questions of people who are sitting alongside you. There'll be lots of time to ask questions about how this goes. Having said that, um, when you come to complete this, do it on your own, right? This, the idea is to see what you, know, what you think about you. Don't ask the person next to you, am I good at this? Right? It's, it's, this, is, this is your thing, right? Um, I also want to say about this process that it's really easy in this process, it's really easy to get sucked into a whole bunch of technical questions and, and, and kind of um, weird questions about the way spiritual gifts work, right? Some of those questions are, are, are fine, but, you know, questions like, well, you know, do you only get one or do you get more? Uh, do, do your gifts change over time? If I, if I get a certain gift now, if I do it in five years, will it be the same gift? Um, do, uh, can you ask for a gift? You know, some people kind of, you know, if you really kind of feel like you want something, can you, can you ask God for that? What are the list of gifts? You know, because we're going to use something that's got a certain list. Well, I did one before and it didn't have this gift and it did have another gift and whatever. All those questions are fine. Some of those questions have uh, clear answers in the Bible. Lots of them don't. And, and what I want to encourage you, um, particularly today, particularly today, is please don't get stuck and hung up on those kind of questions today. Right? Today is designed to be a first step to get you sort of started on the process. Okay, and, and we want people, particularly people who are doing this for the first time, we want them to kind of jump into the process. Um, and just to sort of see what God does in them today. So if I can encourage you, don't get sort of hung up or sidetracked on some of those some of those questions. They're fine questions. You can answer them at a later date. You can talk about them afterwards over a coffee. Um, but the purpose of spiritual gifts, I just want to be as clearly as clear as we can. The purpose of these gifts is to help you understand the way God made you, so that you can serve God. Right? This is not an intellectual exercise. This is not about you going back and you know, doing life just as you did before and saying, oh, but interestingly, in my back pocket, I've got the gift of so-and-so. Paul is really clear. The only purpose of understanding spiritual gifts is so that you can serve the church so that you can build up other people. And that's where we want this to head. Does that make sense? So you're going to get something that looks like this. Um, it has some notes on the first page. Avoid the temptation to turn to the back and look at the answers before you get there, right? There's always someone who wants to do that. Um, I would encourage you to, uh, to read the first page. Um, it's just sort of got some instructions on it. And then to jump straight into the questions, uh, which are on pages three and four. And then you answer those, you write your answers in there. And it will explain to you how to write those Hey guys, thanks for joining us at Tide this week. At this point in the message, everyone stopped and filled out a spiritual gift assessment uh, right here in church together. It gave them an idea of what their spiritual gifts are. If you're joining us online, we've put a link in the description below to that same assessment. Um, so we'd encourage you uh, to download that, fill it out for yourself, and we'd love to know what the results are. Uh, messages, our emails in the description below too. Messages and let us know what your spiritual gifts are. We'd love to know about the journey God's taking you on. God bless.